Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. So good to have you with us. As you just heard Darlene say a moment ago, uh, last Sunday we started a brand new series, first of the year series, entitled One Thing. And during lesson number one of this series, I told you a new year opens the door to different. It affords us the opportunity to shift gears and to make a few changes. In a new year, it affords us significant promise and potential. Unfortunately, good intention and wishful thinking is not enough. All of the wonderful possibilities that are available to us at the beginning of the year are not just going to fall into our laps. We have to be proactive. And by that I mean orchestrate a realistic plan and then put forth a sizable effort. That's the only way that any New Year commitment is going to pick up any steam. In fact, according to hot-off-the-press statistics, these days, 75 to 80 percent of all New Year's resolutions are abandoned sometime in February, like the beginning of February, 75 to 80 percent. And do you know what happens when we fail to execute a successful New Year's resolution plan? We go back to living life the same way we did the previous year. And living life just like we did the past year, it may not be the end of the world, but we're definitely not going to gain any new ground that way. And how many of you know that as believers, God's intention and God's design is for us to always make some forward progress? That's what he desires for us. He desires for us to experience spiritual growth. Second Peter 3.18 says, grow in grace or grow in the grace and grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't just stay the same. Because we're, we serve a God of increase. We serve a God who's always trying to get us uh, to move a little bit forward in our walk with him. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2 offers a little bit more detail. Listen to these action verbs. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, and strengthen. You see, from my perspective, if you're not moving forward, it doesn't mean you're staying the same. It means you're shrinking back. And God desires for us to look with anticipation to this new year and not just have a repeat of last year. He wants to take us to new places and new ground. And we can do that by faith. And so last Sunday... I went out on a very thin limb, and I made a bold statement. I said that this New Year's series, this message series, one thing, uh, four powerful lessons, we're hoping, last week, this week, next week, and then the last Sunday of the month, 
This One Thing series has the potential to help 2023 become your absolute best and most productive year you've ever experienced in your life. And when I said that, I meant it. But we can't just listen to the message. We have to appropriate it. We have to identify ways uh, for us to put what we hear into practice. And so this morning, as we get started, what I want to do is review a very familiar story found in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10. And this particular story is headlined in most Bible translations, The Rich Young Ruler. The Rich Young Ruler. And right about now, some of you might be thinking, I knew it. I knew he was going to get the money thing in there. He's going to talk to us about the tithe. Not so fast. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Then Jesus said, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud or covet, and honor your father and your mother. Teacher, this young man declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, Jesus said, one thing. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. What did Jesus say? Follow me. At this the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Okay, chances are you've read this story or heard it preached multiple times. I was thinking about this uh, the last couple of days, and I would say in the 31 years that we've been here at Community Christian Church, I have probably built four or five sermons around this account alone. But just like most all of the Bible stories, the interaction that Jesus had with this young man contains many layers of truth. And so if I say something this morning that's different than what you've heard in the past, or if it's different than how you've interpreted this story the last time you heard it, it doesn't mean one of us is wrong. It just confirms to us that there's fresh revelation and insight coming from God's word, no matter how many times you look at it. Now, the last time I preached a message using these verses... From the Gospel of Mark, I remembered very specifically, someone from the audience, someone who was here in the congregation, came up to me after the service and asked me, how did I know that the man in the story, the man that Jesus was talking to, was a rich young ruler? How did I know that? I told him, that's a good question. You see, this particular account, it's recorded in three of the four Gospels, what we call the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When you read these accounts separately, Mark tells us he was a man. Matthew mentions he's a young man. 
Luke tells us he was a ruler or a prince or someone in authority, and all three of the gospel writers tell us he was wealthy, hence a rich young ruler. That's how we come up with it. And so when you're trying to get information and, and gather all that you can about a story in the Bible, you have to go everywhere where it's listed. And you have to read through all the accounts and get all the details. And that's what happens when you read the three gospel accounts. You get the full story. And the story opens with this young man sprinting toward Jesus. And from the text, it appears as though he is very sincere because when he draws near to Jesus, when he comes in Jesus' presence, he falls down on his knees and he says, good master or good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And immediately Jesus gives us a clue. Jesus says to him, well, you know the commandments. And then he goes on to list six of the Ten Commandments. When Jesus said that, when he said to this young man, you know the commandments, immediately now we know that not only is this guy rich, not only is he young, but he's Jewish. Because all Jewish boys were taught the law of Moses at a very young age. And by going through his Jewish training in Hebrew, Hebrew school, he would have learned the secret to eternal life. And so before anybody ever knew anything at all about the gospel of salvation or the gospel of Jesus Christ, taught by his Jewish instructors, the way to God was by following the commandments and doing good. This young man should have known that. And in response to Jesus mentioning the commandments, what did the man say? I have kept these since I was a boy. And then the scripture tells us that Jesus looked him eyeball to eyeball, beholding him, loved him. That means Jesus could tell he was sincere. He didn't say to him, wait a minute, you're not telling the truth. He didn't call him out when this young man said, I followed the commandments of God my whole life. He didn't say, hey, wait a minute, there was a time when you were 17 years old and you started dating this girl that your parents didn't approve of and you had to sneak around and in so doing you dishonored your mother and father. Now Jesus didn't say that. The scripture letting us know that Jesus loved us tell us that he believed in this young man and that he acknowledged he was telling the truth. But you see, something was bothering him. There was an important spiritual matter that was hounding him, and he just could not get it out of his system. He couldn't get past it. Now, on the outside, it just looks as though this young man has it all together. For him, life couldn't get any better, so it seems. He's rich, he's young. He's in a place of power. Undoubtedly, he's well-dressed. He probably has the, the, the latest designer clothing on. I would be willing to bet he was tall, dark, and handsome. I mean, he had it all. But his question to Jesus, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That revealed inner turmoil and an obvious hole in his heart, something you couldn't see from the outward, something that was happening on the inside. 
And it didn't matter how hard he tried, how much money he made, how many social events he attended, or how many laws and commandments of God he kept, he just couldn't get any relief from the emptiness that was eating away at his soul. And so he fell at Jesus' feet, desperately trying to identify what in his life was missing. And just one little encounter with Jesus, he very quickly recognized the problem. And Jesus engaged this young man in conversation. And here's my interpretation of what Jesus said to him. You're putting your trust in riches. Your personal identity has come from what you have achieved. And you're looking to what this world has to offer to satisfy your soul. When you read between the lines of what Jesus communicated to this young man, as Jesus was trying to get his attention and answer uh, this problem that he was facing, you put your trust in riches. Your personal identity has come from what you have accomplished and achieved. And you're looking to what this world has to offer to satisfy your soul. And furthermore, Jesus said, the truth is you can't earn, buy, or work your way into heaven. Regardless of how much money you make or how good you are. Jesus basically said, nobody knows this right now. Nobody really fully understands this. But I have come to tell you, I've come to show you that the only way to salvation and the only way to obtaining a promise of eternal life is through God. God is the only way that you're ever going to solve that issue in your life. So here's my suggestion, young man. I'm going to recommend that you sell everything that you have, realizing that your true treasure is in heaven, not on earth, and come follow me. And do you remember how this very sincere, genuine, and truthful young man responded to Jesus? The scripture says he hung his head and he walked away sadly. He was grieved on the inside, but nonetheless, he walked away. And I love the way the Message Bible puts it. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 22, in the Message Translation, it says, the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. Wow. He was holding on to a lot of things, to all of his possessions, and he was not about to let go. Now, that word possession in the Greek, katema, is a very interesting word. It means what has been acquired. That's what that word possession means. It means all of the stuff that you've been able to secure. And it goes well beyond wealth and riches. Katema also includes behavior that has been learned and developed. And this young man learned to put his trust 
and depend upon what he had acquired. That's where his self-sufficiency came from. That's where his security was at. So when Jesus said, follow me, all he really heard was Jesus say, you have to lose your identity. And that's not something he was willing to do. Because his whole life and all of his confidence was in his identity. It's what got him out of bed in the morning. It was his status among the people. It was who he uh, was reflected to everyone else. He was not about to give up his identity. So the problem with the rich young ruler may be a little bit different than what you've heard in the past. Wasn't just wealth and riches. I do not believe that he rejected Jesus' offer because of greed and selfishness or the monster of more. He just couldn't imagine himself laying everything down, walking away from all of his possessions, and putting his trust in God, depending upon God for everything that he needed. I mean, that seemed outrageous to him. In fact, this young man, if you would have asked him, he didn't even need the grace of God because he was doing just fine by himself. He was successful and self-sufficient. He was independent and affluent, and he had the financial portfolio to prove it. So again, Jesus said, follow me. And this rich young ruler hung his head And he said no. He engaged Jesus, recognized who he was, came as a very respectful, truthful Jewish man following and honoring the law. And when Jesus gave him the answer he desperately needed, he said no. You know, this past week, I couldn't get past that statement. I just landed there, and I couldn't escape contemplating what that must have looked like. And I played it over and over in my mind. I played that scene. Man comes to Jesus. Jesus talks to him, loves him, gives him counsel, and the man walks away. As I thought about that, just got stuck there for a little bit, I wondered what might have happened had the rich man hung around. How his life might have been different if he would have accepted Jesus' invitation to follow him as opposed to walking away. We don't hear or read about the rich young ruler anywhere else in the Bible. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know if he ever found what he was looking for. All we know is he walked away. Now, when Jesus called Simon Peter and Andrew, when he went after those two guys, do you remember what he said to them? Basically, the very same thing he said to the rich young ruler, follow me. Do you remember how Peter and Andrew responded? They left it all behind. Successful fishing businesses, all their careers, the promise of what they might have had for the future, they left that behind 
and they followed Jesus. How about Levi, the tax collector? What did Jesus say to him? Follow me. How did Levi respond? He got up from his tax booth, he walked away from all that denarius and all that money, and he followed Jesus. And these guys became Christian legends. Matthew, Levi's name was changed to Matthew, he wrote a gospel. People are still getting saved because of his commitment to the Lord. They bought into the gospel message, hook, line, and sinker. When Jesus said, follow me, they got up, they, they left everything behind, and they followed Jesus, but not the rich young ruler. Oh no, he walked away. Can you see it in your mind? Jesus said to the rich young ruler, deal or no deal? Kaboom. No deal. No deal. But he wasn't the only one. And it wasn't the only occasion. People have been walking away from Jesus and rejecting his invitation to follow him for over 2,000 years. It happens today the same way we read about it in the Gospel of Mark. People come to the Lord. They're moved on the inside because there's a hole in their hearts and there's emptiness. And they hear the gospel message and they say, I'm sorry, no deal. And they walk away. In fact, do you remember the prophetic words spoken through the prophet Isaiah given some 700 years before Jesus was born? In Isaiah 53, 3, here's what it says. Speaking of Jesus, he was despised. Jesus was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. We turned our backs on him. We walked away. We looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Can you think of a good word to sum up this passage? Rejection. That's what the rich young ruler did. He rejected the response that Jesus gave to him. And he walked away. Now, I'm wondering how many of you are into season three of The Chosen? Have you been watching? It's a great series. I highly recommend it. If you haven't landed there yet, if you haven't found out how good it is, look into getting uh, the app on your phone and watch The Chosen. Over the holidays, we had the opportunity of watching season three, episode three, with Adriana, our granddaughter. And I absolutely loved that presentation. Um, I think it was called Physician Heal Yourself. The portion of scripture that they covered in that particular episode comes right from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter four, some of my favorite verses in the entire gospel. It's just about the time for Jesus to begin his earthly ministry. And you remember the story, he's baptized by John in the River Jordan. Right after his baptism, he's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Phil mentioned just a few moments ago, we fasted five days, not five full days, we ate on the fifth day. <laughs> Jesus fasted eight times that amount of time. 40 days fasting, waiting upon the Lord. And afterwards, the scripture tells us he came out of his fast time in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He began to travel the countryside, teaching and preaching and healing, and the people loved him. They followed him from place to place. Crowds, multitudes of people couldn't wait 
to come into contact with this incredible man of God. And at some point, the scripture tells us that Jesus made his way back to his hometown, to the town of Nazareth, where he had grown up. And the writers of Chosen do an absolutely marvelous job of painting the backstory. They're, they're telling us what happened. And Jesus meets together with family members and friends. He comes into contact with neighbors he hadn't seen in a while. And they all get excited about him. They, they hear that he's the new rabbi in town and some good things are happening. And so they talk for a couple of days. And then they all go to church on the Sabbath day. The same synagogue that Jesus grew up in where he got his bar mitzvah, where he, where he learned all about the law of Moses. Maybe the same rabbi, maybe the same synagogue ruler. And to honor Jesus, because he's the new kid in town, the new rabbi, they let him give the message that day. And Jesus took the scrolls, opened them up, worked his way down to Isaiah 61, and he begins to speak. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And everybody in that place knew that passage of Scripture. They had heard it over and over and over again. It was a messianic prophecy talking about a day when a deliverer, a rescuer would come just like King David and rescue them from all their oppression. And as scripture tells us, Jesus closed the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant. Everybody was on the edge of their seats just like you are right now. And they couldn't wait for Jesus to start talking. And that's when he dropped the bomb. And he said to them, this day is this prophetic passage fulfilled in your hearing. And when Jesus said that, he was proclaiming himself to be the Messiah, the one they had been waiting 700 years for. And they began to lash out at him. They didn't believe him. They, they accused him of blasphemy. The synagogue ruler stood up and, and confronted Jesus and said, renounce what you said and take it back. But Jesus stood his ground and he tried to explain himself. But they weren't having any of it. They refused to listen to him. And right then and there, his neighbors... His family members and friends, those living in his hometown, tried to kill him on the spot. The scripture tells us they led him to the place of a steep cliff, steep cliff and tried to throw him off, throw him to his death. But it wasn't time and it wasn't the right manner of death, so Jesus walked away. And the last scene in that episode Again, a brilliant job done by the, the chosen writers. You see a very distraught Jesus moved emotionally to tears and he's sobbing because of the rejection. He felt the pain of them saying, no deal. We do not believe you. 
Friends, I've read these verses. If I said 100 times, that's not an exaggeration. These verses in, in Luke chapter 4 are among my favorite. I know, I, I've memorized them. I know them. I've preached on them. And in all the times that I've read these verses, I never once thought about the humanity of Jesus at this point, understanding how much it must have hurt him for his family to reject him, for the people to reject him, the pain, the suffering that was involved there. I mean, I was rejoicing that he escaped their, their hands and their, their plan to kill him. But not once did I think, man, this really hurt him. This bothered him. And I'm sure that was the case as he watched the rich young ruler walk away from him after giving him the words of life. Now, as we bring this message to a close, what I'd like to do is just go back and review a couple of the verses that we read earlier from the passage in Mark chapter 10. I've already explained this to you. Let me say it again. After the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he had this pressing issue on his heart and he said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I, I really want to solve this problem. I want to make sure that I'm right with God. I, I, I want to have, I, I, I think there's more to this life than just living and dying. I, I want to have uh, this relationship with God so that I, I, I have this promise of eternity. What do I have to do? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. And he says, I sure do know the commandments. And I've done to the best of my ability. I've tried to keep those commandments my whole life. And in response, in Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, one thing you lack. One thing. Come follow me. Tells him to walk away from everything that he has, all of the confidence he has in the, the abundance of possessions he has acquired to readjust his thinking about what's important and follow him. Here we have a very accomplished young man, a hard worker, diligent, wealthy, successful, and a good man. Someone who sought to honor God his whole life And he wants to know the truth. And Jesus, looking at him, engaging him, loves him. Because he, Jesus recognizes he's sincere. And what does Jesus say to him? One thing you lack. Young man, that's it. Just one thing. I can tell that you have conducted your life in such a way and basically Jesus would say I'm proud of you I'm, I'm proud of all that you've been accomplished all that you've accomplished there's one thing that you lack one thing that you need you need to know that I am the way the truth and the life and you have to follow me because if you follow me if you buy into this gospel if you accept this as truth I promise you Eternity will find you. I promise you that you will spend an eternity with the Father forever and ever. This was 
the message that Jesus gave to this young man who came seeking truth. Follow me. That's what he lacked. Wasn't all the other stuff that we like to add about his intentions, his possessions. He lacked following after the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, we're asking you to speak to us here in these closing moments as only you can. And by that I mean, Holy Spirit of God, do something with these impressions that we're feeling right now. These gospel accounts that we read about, they're more than historic. With the fresh anointing and revelation of the Holy Spirit upon your word, Lord, we understand how essential they are to us today. Father, we have questions, all of us. There's situations in our lives that we don't understand. And when we come to you for answers, we don't always hear what we want to hear. But I pray, Lord God, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of God would be here in such a way that we could open our hearts to the truth of your gospel. That we could be like a Simon Peter and an Andrew and a James and a John and a Levi and a Mary and all of the other people that heard you call out two words, follow me and they left it behind everything and came move Lord in these closing moments I pray and do the kinds of spiritual work that only you can do in each of our hearts we pray these things in the name of Jesus Amen I'm going to ask you to just take a seat. Give me a couple more moments, if you don't mind. In fact, why don't you just go ahead and bow your heads for a minute. And we just finished five days of prayer and fasting. We're going to continue our prayer time. There's a specific reason why we do that. As we start a new year, we're asking God to give us guidance. We, we pray for direction. We pray for his blessing. But we also pray for breakthrough. Breakthrough in your lives. We pray that God would visit us. And things that wouldn't normally happen, happen because the people of God have gathered together and they've been spending time praying and seeking God. And usually on the, the tail end of a fasting week like we've had, God always shows up and he's faithful to meet us in a very special way. And just before I close out our service this morning in prayer, I'm wondering if there might be anyone here who would say, you know, I'm lacking in my life. There's something missing. I, I know it. I'm going through the motions of my life. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing everything that 
I've been taught to do. I'm doing my best. I'm trying, trying to serve the Lord, trying to follow his commandments and trying to obey him just like the rich young ruler. But something is missing. I can feel it. I know it. And, and you have that lack in your life. Whatever it might be. If it's spiritual lacking, if it's a relational, if it's financial, if it's just you, you can't seem to get victory in the area of your life. If you're lacking one thing, can I just get you to slip your hand up and you can put it back down again? I appreciate your response. I really do. Thank you for your honesty. As we close out our time this morning and as I pray for you, I'm, I'm going to give you some advice. It comes from shepherding God's people for a long, long time. It's nothing new. Nothing overly whelm, overwhelmingly creative. It's just two words. Follow Jesus. Follow him with your life. Make the determination that he is the answer that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Buy into his gospel message. Please don't walk away from him, reject him, and say no deal. But walk towards him and follow after him, and your life will change. Father, see all the hands that were raised here today, those who might be watching or even listening to us, Lord, who are feeling the conviction in their heart that something is lacking. Lord, you provide everything that we need. You're the God who's more than enough. Your name is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And I'm asking you to follow the grace that you've provided in the past. I'm asking, Lord, to do the same things that you've always done and fill your people with assurance and with hope and with peace. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus said, in me, you'll have peace. No other place. In this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have heartache and pain. But in me, you'll find life. Might be some trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Thank you for what you did for us, Jesus. We will not reject you. We refuse to walk away. We give you our lives. We lay them before you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate your uh, attentiveness uh, during the message. As uh, you heard earlier, uh, we have our life groups, registrations. We're not called to do life alone. One of the ways that you can follow after the Lord, one of the ways that you can really learn about the gospel message is through our life group. So please take advantage of them. Go and check out a couple of the groups. Stick around, have a little coffee and some light refreshments. God bless you. Enjoy your day today.